begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It's Chris joined by Ben and Milton, as always, to talk some Star Wars on Outer Rim Transmission. This is number 113. And tonight, we're going to dive into a discussion that is worth having, but also something that is a little bit, I guess, ominous or whatever. Um, is Lucasfilm done creating more than Star Wars with their IP? We've seen that Indiana Jones has not exactly gone to their... Uh, standards it looks like and uh well willow being taken off and we're gonna get into it there's just a lot of signs pointing that oh i don't know if they're gonna be doing much more than star wars in at least the foreseeable future so we're gonna get into that we're gonna cover some star wars news that has come and gone over the last weeks that we didn't capture um and much much more on this week's episode of out of ram transmission uh last we left off milton you said you were going to hershey park i think this weekend did you end up making a trip out there I did. I was there all day yesterday. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah, I'm I did. It was it was all day. We got there at nine o'clock in the morning. We first we always do the Chocolate World little like exhibit, which is like uh like their own like shop that they have of like their candy, merchandising. Um like I, I legit tell you guys, Hershey Park it's its own little place. Like it's they have restaurants, they got obviously their park, they got you know, different type of entertainment. They have stores. They got like candy shops, restaurants, any bar, like you, everything you think of is there. So you make a day of it. I know some people that can make a week of it because you can't fully that entire park. They have their own water park within the park. Um, It's legit. Like I rode a lot of roller coasters yesterday. I got sick. Like I didn't puke or nothing, but like my stomach was up in arms just because we're going back to back to back to back roller coaster. So, um, yeah, it was it was fire. I loved it. My family went. My girlfriend was with us. So we, we had a really good time. Oh, that's awesome that everybody got involved. Yeah, as I mentioned last week, I just came home from Disney World about a week ago. So I'm still in that theme park mindset. Actually, we're planning on taking a trip to uh, the local Six Flags Great Adventure here in New Jersey tomorrow if the weather provides. And uh yeah, I mean that that place sounds awesome. Uh, after the show ended last night, I looked up some of the some of the attractions they have, and it definitely looked like they have a lot more roller coasters than I would expect for a place called Hershey Park. Like it looks like it basically yeah. rivals my nearby Six Flags in the in the thrill ride sector. I mean, for real, for real. Like, look, I I think Hershey Park's better than Six Flags. That's just me. Oh, I mean, and, that, and look, and that that's a personal bias because I live <laughs> forty minutes from the park. You know, forty five minutes to an hour from the park. So like. I, I've been going there since I was a kid. I mean, I, literally, that park gets bigger and bigger every year. They're, oh. they're adding new roller coasters. They're adding new attractions. I mean, look, they get celebrities to, to come to that park before their concerts. Like, legit, the celebs that come to do their shows there, they can get into the rides, like, a day, like, oh. that morning of when no one else is there. Like, that happens. So, Hershey Park isn't just some scrub of a park like Dutch Wonderland <laughs> or whatever. This place is legit. It's worldwidely known as one of the best amusement parks in the country, in my opinion. Um, and it's, it's a very safe park in the sense of there's never really accidents, knock on wood. There's never, there's never really incidents going on. Yeah, it gets busy, but there's always something to do. And the food's yeah. amazing. So we, we ate real good yesterday, for oh, sure. What was, like, what was the longest wait time for a ride? So we wanted to do, we didn't do a couple because some of them were like long. Like, so the one roller coaster we wanted to do was called Storm Chaser, um, which is kind of like where you where you lay down and you put the thing over you, you know, kind of like that. It was a 95 minute wait. We weren't trying to oh do Oh my that. gosh. 
That's insane. Yeah. Um, longest that we actually did wait for a ride yesterday was probably about a little over an hour. Um, oh, wow. It wasn't really bad just, be just because, like, we really wanted to ride certain rides. Like, we did this one ride called the Jolly Rancher Remix. Oh. So it's – and that's what's cool about the park. Like, some of their own original – like, they use their own candy names for some of the rides, too. <laughs> but this so one was, cool. like – was, like, you, you start out here, and it takes you up. Like, it slowly cranks you back. It takes you all the way up, oh. and it shoots you down, go straight through the tunnel. You do a couple twisties. You go up the other side, and it cranks you up again. Wow. You come back around. I mean, it's pretty dope. So it's like it used to be called the Sidewinder, but they renamed it. Then we had this famous ride that's called the um, Wildcat. It's actually one of I think it's the oldest wooden roller coaster in the world, I think, or in the country. Mm. But they they redid it. They kind of like reamped it. So my brother, my brother-in-law, my brother's fiance were like, let's get on this. And my sister Kate, but let's get on this ride. Okay. I'm like, God, this is not the same Wildcat from before. Like, that's the one that screwed us up. Like, we uh, were like done after that. It it twisted like four or five times, <laughs> went around four or five times. But Hershey <laughs> Park's legit. <laughs> that's that I, I know that feeling because when we went to Six Flags a couple of years ago, it was in the middle of COVID. So obviously there's like nobody there. And you're just like you chain linked multiple rides back to back to back like within an hour and a half we had gone i think 12 rides and, and we were done we were like okay we feel like we're hung over we got like a minor headache nausea it was hot out i was like yeah i think we're done but <laughs> yeah no it was it was crazy hot yesterday and what what was cool though like what i thought about a couple of days before i'm thinking man like every time i go to the park i tend to get like sick in some way shape or form so i need mm. to drink more water i know i get super dehydrated i'm at the park I decided to buy one of those packs with the water thing in the back oh. with the tube you can suck out of. Yeah. That was clutch. That was the best purchase <laughs> I made <laughs> because literally I'm going to every like water station, yeah. filling up with water, putting ice in it. I'm not, I'm not paying for any drinks, you know, yeah. like I'm drinking ice water the whole time. That's what we were doing in Disney. It's like every time we found a water, a public water uh, refiller thing, uh yeah we were going there and it's like we had like yeah. multiple bottles with us at all times right 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 well it was cool about the park they have like different deals like like a lot of like my best friends in life chris and james like their families have season passes and mm -hmm. what's cool about that they can do like the unlimited drinks like refill up drinks they get they get meals with them they get the fast track which i'm sure disney kind of has that too where they do like you have something like bracelet where you like can go through the fast lane to get into the ride quicker scan you can go in faster compared to people waiting you know for an hour but you're paying you know 500 bucks for the year to have that which is kind of cool yeah um and i told my i told my sisters and my brothers i'm like we need to start doing that because if we plan on coming to the park at least a couple times throughout yep. the year you'll pay for let's it. do the family yeah. pass and do the fast track that that's actually what i got this year so they had a black friday deal i think it was like $75 for Six Flags for a season pass, and that included the rest of 2022. So we went to the Winter Wonderland thing, and then we're going to get our use out of it. But yeah, I know this is this is a Star Wars podcast, even though it's not labeled as one, but <laughs> it's about to turn, I guess, into the Thrill Park podcast of whatever. But uh, you hear that guy laughing in the background. What's going on, Ben? What's what's happening in your neck of the woods these days? I'll, I'll let you guys handle the uh, the theme parks. I am definitely scared of heights, so I will pass on all roller coasters. Mm -hmm. um, 
but yeah, my, uh, nothing too much lately over this way. Just just been uh, doing some heavy lifting, some heavy squats and benches and deadlifts this weekend. So that's always fun doing those sorts yeah. of things. And then uh, like down another pound on the scale. So that's exciting. And just slowly chipping away at that. So it's just been kind of like the fitness grind lately. And then, of course, just like talking Star Wars on social media, um, because there's always something to chat about when it comes to Star Wars. Heck yeah. Oh, we actually have Chris Forsyth in the chat, Milton. He says he was just at Hershey Park on Wednesday for the first time. Oh, and did he like it? What ride did he ride? Did he, he say? He um he said he went on literally every ride. There was barely any lines. He he hit everything but okay. something called the Great Bear. Oh yeah, the, the Great Bear is legit. Like <clears throat> that that's what's cool. what's funny about that is my girlfriend don't do roller coasters. Mm -hmm. She really don't. She kept saying that. The whole week leading up to it. She's like, the only one that I'll do is the Great Bear. Even though, like, that's a very intense roller coaster, but it's very, what? it's, anyone can handle it. Huh. But the Great Bear is one of their better roller coasters. It's been around for, like, 20 years. Huh. And I'm, I'm glad Chris got to go. I mean, ask him. Like, I'm sure he explored the entire park. That park is legit. I mean, huh. they, they, have, they have everything you can think. Their water park is legit. I didn't think it was that good couple years ago until I realized like wait I haven't really explored it enough and we walked around it yesterday because my little niece was um was there with us so we took her there and I'm thinking oh my god like they did it big time so Hershey's really invested a lot of money which makes sense because they're Hershey they own every piece of chocolate in the world for Christ's sake <laughs> so I mean it, yeah it's I, I wonder if he did I'll ask him if he did chocolate world the little tour that they give you prior to the park Chocolate World's a little quick, cool little like tour ride that they give you to kind of talk about their process of making chocolate. Oh, See saying. those types, th those types of things at in a theme park. That's what I would probably be doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Ben, they do have the teacups there. They do have a teacup ride. Hey, I, I, I can um, handle any water rides. I just can't handle the rides that you know you go up like the big hills and oh, then just yeah. drop. Like I just can't handle those because you know you're just sitting there oh, looking and looking one, and looking and just call it what's it called the Fahrenheit the Fahrenheit's that ride and we didn't do it yesterday because that was about a 95 minute wait oh my we didn't God. do that but the Fahrenheit is that ride no shot yeah I mean as, as much <laughs> as the cool thrill I mean Disney doesn't have as many like big drop rides but for those that don't even want to go on any actual roller coasters they have a lot of cool experiences like um, the Monsters Inc like show thing that they have and it's like oh. you go with an audience and it's like in a theater and they had it blew my mind guys because they had these characters on screen talking i was like oh this is an, a, a cute little pre-rendered like pre-recorded thing and we're gonna watch it. it's a passive experience no they started calling people in the audience and next thing you know the the animated characters on the screen were like responding in real time to the responses of the audience and That's their cool. lips were perfectly synced, synced to the people, the voice actors at the same time. I had never seen anything like it. Like it was real time animation right there. I was like, this is sorcery. How, how the heck are they pulling off like a, a real life person talking with an anime character at the same freaking time? And That's then, really neat. Yeah. Then they had another cool thing at Hollywood Studios. It was the Muppet 3D show. And me and my girlfriend are like, we don't even really like Muppets at all. And it was a 10-minute wait. So we're like, hey, if it's 10 minutes, we'll try it out. What the heck? We're here. And that was really fun because it's like a 4D experience where like there will be somebody on the screen. Next thing you know, they'll walk off the left side of the stage and they'll be there. And then there'll be like somebody behind you firing a cannon at the freaking screen and like actual pyrotechnics like <laughs> going off 
both in the screen, but in the actual theater as well. It was like, they do those situations awesome. So yeah, you know, there's a lot of experiences you could do. Like Ben, if you're not like into those thrill rides, a lot of these parks have really cool things yep. like that anyway. <laughs> um, so I guess that will go into the Star Wars stuff. So <laughs> my week <laughs> in Star Wars after over 10 minutes of 12 minutes of thrill ride <laughs> talk. <laughs> um, I had experience today and I was like thinking of like, oh, I don't have it this week in Star Wars. And that was earlier this morning. I was like, crap, what am I going to talk about? Well, it happened on my way out of work. I have my good buddy, Teddy. Um, he, I got him on board with the High Republic. And it, it, it was kind of this funny thing because I was like, oh, you got to read Light of the Jedi. You got to read Light of the Jedi because... He's a big gamer and he played through Jedi Survivor. And he, I was like, yo, you remember all that stuff that happened in Jedi Survivor with that Dagan guy? Well, that's all the higher public stuff. So you should start here and read if you want to know. He's like, okay. So me, me and him have been going in depth. And I, I nerded out like a crazy person. And I realized how giddy I was when I, when I started talking. I was like, he was like, oh, I'm at this part of the book. And I started going over all the storylines of these different characters and these planets and these look. And I'm hearing myself talk and I'm like, I sound like a crazy nerd, right? <laughs> I am, but I realized, like, in that moment, like, I'm spouting off names and characters and this and that. I'm like, yeah, and he's getting excited just hearing me talking about it, and, and we're going back and forth. I'm like, yep, I guess I converted somebody else to the High Republic again. <laughs> so that's my moment is just having the fun of introducing a certain segment <clears throat> and a certain niche of Star Wars to a person that's already a huge fan regardless. And it's like, Oh, well, I got another one now. <laughs> so that's my week. Hey, that's, that's awesome. It's always great. Like getting people like introduced and into different aspects of star Wars and different parts of it like that. Um, yeah, that's like, that's like always such like a great feeling, you know, as a fan. Um, but yeah, for me for this week in star Wars, I actually, it was just, I mean, just today and yesterday, but I've been the last couple days I've been listening to the, the Last Command, which is the final Thrawn trilogy book nice. of the original Zahn trilogy. And I'm on chapter six. I'm only I'm only like three hours into the book right now. But uh three hours out of fifteen hours. But anyways, it uh I just got to a part in the book. So basically, you know, Luke goes to this planet like investigating like the cloning and stuff that's going on with the Empire. And, you know, Thrawn has a trap set for him. And Luke actually does like a really cool maneuver that, you know, we haven't really seen um, on screen, especially. I don't know about in current canon. There could be, like, obscure instances of it. But anyways, Luke Luke is in... Luke has flies a, flies a freighter to this planet. And then when he goes to leave to, like, you know, escape and everything when the Empire is trailing him. So in this big freighter, you know, he has his X-Wing, like, in the hangar of the freighter. So what he does when the freighter starts getting tracked by the tractor beam, you know, he gets in his X-Wing, powers up the shields, and initiates the self-destruct of the freighter... So, you know, as it's pulling the freighter toward the toward the Chimera, you know, the freighter explodes and Luke jets out of there real quick and uh, escapes. And it was like a cool, like, maneuver Luke did. And I was like, man, that's like a cool, like, innovative little maneuver. And, like, it's cool. Like, you know, you even have Thrawn talking about it, how, like, you know, how that was like a, you know, such a unique maneuver, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, it's cool, like, seeing, like, the characters, like, recognizing something you know neat happening in real time as well as like it being entertaining for us but yeah i thought that was like a cool little maneuver luke did in in the book there yeah i i've it's been so long since i read that book probably was like 12 yep. or 13 it was a blur i can't i kind of honestly mm -hmm. remember anything from it except the nogri i do remember the nogri 
And I remember sitting in the dentist office at the age of 10 or 11, hearing about something in the trees with the Nogri. That's literally my only, like, memory of that book. Like, that's how far back it goes. It's so faded. I got to revisit those. But, I, like, maybe after, so good. maybe after Ahsoka, I'll, I'll revisit and con contrast and compare the various uh, storylines they might have carried over or something. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's 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 a good read. Well, I'm listening to it as you know, but it's a uh, it's a good listen. That is just because you know it's a good production quality. It's Mark Thompson doing the voices, so that's that's always really good. And uh, yeah, it's just neat, like seeing like the progression of the characters from book one to book three, and you know how they're how they're doing things, how they're portraying like Luke, Leia, Han. Um, he does a really good Han Solo voice, actually. Out of all the voices, that's probably my most like. Mm. Uh, that's the one I think that transfers the most. Of course, like Luke sounds pretty good, but like his Han voice is like really spot on, actually. Um, but yeah, it's definitely um, a book series that I would recommend to anybody with an Audible membership. Mm. Mel, what's your current Star Wars thing you're listening to? If you are, hmm. um, I mean nothing specifically okay. right now. Uh, haven't really been messing with the books. I mean. Usually, like, on my phone, I have, like, some of the documentaries, like, audio version of them on my phone. When I go to bed sometimes, I listen to those. Ooh. But, I mean, my week in Star Wars has honestly been the video games. Um, ah. Yeah, so your boy found Battlefront 2 on PlayStation 2. Awesome. Dang. I was able to get that. I found that the week week before. Last, yeah, actually, this past Tuesday, I found it. Huh. I haven't played it yet. Then... What I have been playing this week has been Super Star Wars and Super Empire. Oh my Super, gosh. Super Nintendo. Now, can, when I tell you this, I forgot how tough those games were. Yeah. They're hard. <laughs> Especially Super yeah. Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, I was on, I mean, I legit was up until about 9.30, I think it was Wednesday night, on a beat. I was like, I was halfway through the Tatooine missions. I'm like, man, there's like a whole bunch of Tatooine missions yeah, on this yep. game. Yeah. And yeah, it, it it pissed me off a couple times. Like I legit was getting mad um, to the point where to the point where I had to go online and find find the cheat code to like oh pick gosh. a level because I was like, all right, I can't be playing this all week like this. So I, I found a debug cheat code. Thank God I have two controllers for the Super Nintendo. Oh. And I put the code in. Da 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 da. Hit the R two on both of them. Yup, I'm picking levels. I'm putting 99 lives on that bad boy. Oh. Um, but not nah, the, the game was fire. Like I did, I you. When I played Super Star Wars, I realized why I fell in love with this property, mm -hmm. because those games themselves made me yep. more of a fan of, of yeah. movies. Yeah. Um, and then I started playing Super Empire, which that, that game's perfection. I don't care what anybody mm -hmm. tell me. That game is perfect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's Super Nintendo. Um, and then I haven't played Super Jedi yet, but I will probably this week. Yeah, um, I but mean then I'll do. I'll, I'll I'll do battlefronts. I'll start those probably next weekend. Yeah, nice. it, it was so funny because I was watching this YouTube YouTuber um, talking about this new Star Wars card game, Star Wars Unlimited, and his background music. I was like, this sounds so familiar. I I commented. I was like, mm -hmm. this almost sounds like Super Star Wars. And he's like, mm -hmm. it is Super Star Wars. I was like, I have that track engraved in my brain from like a five-year-old you know mm. it's just there forever and it's so nostalgic and yeah milton that that's the thing it was like between the toys and the video games 
that's why I, I, I'm still yeah. a big Star Wars fan because they, they, they carry the legacy on. They carries the memories and the fun of Star Wars in your own house. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And here's the thing: the soundtracks for the games are dope. Like it's mm -hmm. yes, it's all the John Williams music, but they kind of they they definitely make it slightly different for video game medium. But it's still good. Like the uh, for for Super Empire when you play the Dagobah system missions. Yeah. Like that soundtrack is amazing, and I'm like, man, they really do a good job with Yoda's theme. And like anytime, like because that's more about the Force, obviously. I'm like, and like this is a video game, and the music sounds great. And this had to been what 1993, 94 when they made this yep, game. I'm thinking like, like yo, it still holds up. It's Super Nintendo, so I, I, I'm never letting it go. That's why when I found it, I think I think I spent that game. I think it was like twenty five twenty five dollars when I found it, and I was like, yeah, I'm spending that money on it. I don't care. But it's worth it. Exactly. That's the thing. It's worth it. I'm never selling it. I'm never getting. I'm never trading it in. Like, my, listen, it's not going to happen. I don't <laughs> care if you offer me a million dollars. I'm like, nah, dude. That game is fire. Like, it's so, it's so good. It I'll is. probably try to play it one of these times without using the cheats because it's one of those games where it it pull, it sucks you in. You're like, damn it. It's like I know I shouldn't play this because it's hard, but it's like I can't get enough of it. Milton, I think you've just convinced me to like go in the basement and 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 try to <laughs> blow my cartridge out to make it work again. And because <laughs> like oh, I it's... think half of my Super Nintendo games don't work because it's like they're so old that they have a coat of dust or something that's yeah. stuck and it doesn't read. My dad used a trick where he got like sandpaper or something and he mm -hmm. rubbed it in there and it worked. So I might yeah. actually play them when I get off of this tonight. <laughs> No, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky because, like I said, I've been able to find them at, like, these different stores that I go to. Oh. And I'm lucky that my Super Nintendo still works. I mean, yeah. but we've always had it in the box for years. So that's why – and it, it didn't collect dust. It was always covered. So and even the games that I still have had those, like, some of the plastic, like, underneath it where you can, like, protect it. Yep. So it had a lot of those. So it was like, all right. You know, like, we, my mom did a good job at preserving mm -hmm. those games for us. And – those three still hold up. Yeah, that, that, there's, yeah, there's yeah, there's a lot of Star Wars games that haven't been ported to like the modern systems. You know, like mm -hmm. all the Super Nintendo oh. games, all that. Obi Wan. You know, Super, no, no, Super Star Wars is on PlayStation Four and Five. Like what? they they it is. You have to really? like you have like the membership plus or something. Oh, mm -hmm. okay, yeah. Or whatever it is, yeah, it might awesome. be on Xbox. See, just look, just just look it up, but. I know it's for PlayStation. I know for a fact that Super Star Wars is on PlayStation. Yeah. Cool. So there you go. We all had pretty eventful uh, weeks in Star Wars from some capacities, whether it's conversations, whether it's uh, video games, uh, whether it's just listening to audiobooks. What is your week in Star Wars? We want to know. And speaking of which, you can watch the show every Sunday live and join the conversation like Chris Forsyth is at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern. You can also download the podcast to listen to on the go wherever you want to listen. Just look up Outer Rim Transmission on any of your podcast apps of your choice. So getting into it, I actually skipped over a release that happened last week and a pretty big one since, I mean, I, I would assume it's big enough because it was on Disney+. Plus. We have Disney Gallery, Star Wars, The Mandalorian, Season three, yeah, that that's a mouthful of a title, and I guess they're sticking with it after all these years of the weird title. They'll give Obi Wan like a cool title, and they'll give um, whatever else other series came out that they'll give them cool titles like the Book of Boba Fett and all that stuff. But 
Anyway, I digress. Have any of you watched this yet? Nope. Nope, I completely... I honestly... I saw it came out, and then I forgot about it. I'll be honest. Like, I just haven't... I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched it, and there wasn't really anything to note about, like, ooh, that sounded interesting. Ooh, is he hinting at something? There was nothing that you could really pick apart. And it wasn't, I mean, it was fine. It was cool. Like, like the best part was seeing Jack Black behind the scenes and just seeing yeah. how much of a goofball he is, like, on behind the scenes with acting and all. Um, so that was the highlight for me. But other than that, like, there wasn't really a lot of things that stood out to me, um, like the season two one with the information yeah. about how they de-aged Luke and all that. There wasn't anything cool like that. Um, they had Phil Tippett helping out with Mandalore, which was neat. But other than that, it wasn't really memorable, um, which is probably it was kind of just stock standard behind the scenes. Yeah, and it was just a it was mm -hmm. just just barely an hour, so that's what we've come to expect. I would still like that I'm, I like season one a lot because they had the, the each episode really focused on a different kind of filmmaking process. Um, but I guess we're not going to get those anymore. So this is what we get. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe we get something like that for Ahsoka with Dave Filoni. Yeah, yeah, it's annoying because like without the Blu-rays, you don't get as much in-depth, you know, bonus features on this stuff. Like if it was a movie, we would have this feature and then this deleted scene and then this other feature over here. And now it's just like the bare bones. One hour, that's all you get. Yep. Which is goofy because it's streaming. It's 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 actually more accessible. Like so, you would think. Oh, we can just upload it like versus producing a ton of discs exactly mm -hmm. it's like all right just okay well let's give you three just like how they did the george or the um skywalker ranch documentary or whatever it was like that that's a perfect documentary because they gave us 10 episodes that was very much in depth and really was truly behind the scenes stuff that we didn't know about yeah 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 for sure um and the funny the funny thing is we haven't even gotten an andor behind the scenes so Hopefully, maybe they're just holding off until season two, and it'll just do like maybe one long series of like behind the scenes stuff, uh, or maybe Tony Gilray just doesn't want people with cameras behind the scenes on his sets. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, apparently, Katie Sackoff has a new podcast, Corona Chris Forsyth. I think you might have. Oh, yeah, this, man. yeah, it's called. Uh, it's literally called blah blah blah. <laughs> um, but it's but it's on her YouTube channel. She actually just interviewed Bryce Dallas Howard on there. Um, oh, and you know they kind of just talk back and forth about their careers and you know different projects they've worked on and you know just it was kind of just like a casual you know casual interview. That's where the whole hair controversy with her came from with with one of those Star Wars reporting sites out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really too familiar with that. Can you elaborate? Yeah, so, I mean, we, we've referenced the website before on here, Star Wars The Direct. They're usually pretty good on their stuff. Yeah. And they uh, they completely misquoted the podcast. And even, you know, I listened to parts of the podcast, so, like, I knew what parts they were talking about. I was like, man, like, they're they're incorrect. And, and then Katie Sackhoff responded because, like, they wrote a big <laughs> article about how Katie was complaining about her hairstyle going into the Mandalorian season three. She was wanting her hair, her hair to be longer and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, man, I listened to the podcast and I did not hear her talk about that for Mando at all. Well, see, here's the funny thing. She was talking about that for Battlestar Galactica and she, 
and I and I was like, man, I think they got this wrong. And the funny thing is, I like get on Twitter a few hours later, and she responded directly to them and was like, hey, um, did, I was talking about my other show. I wasn't talking about The Mandalorian. If you guys actually listen to the podcast, I'm not sure, but you know, you got this completely wrong. So, uh, oh my gosh. so yeah, she actually called out one of our Star Wars reporting sites. <laughs> I mean, I, I they like retracted this. it. They retracted it. Yeah, they they yeah. they didn't even apologize or anything. They completely just like deleted the tweet, deleted the article off their website, and just like let it go. <laughs> yeah, see, like, but here's the thing though, like that's what's annoying because yep. and that's the problem with, with with media nowadays, especially with social media. It's like people are so quick to make a statement just to be first, and it's like. Listen to the whole information. Listen to listen to the context, and that's well, why I hate that Mike Zero guy. Oh yeah, because yeah. he does that stupid shit, and I'm just like, all right, bro. But I mean, at least the, this particular podcast or news outlet should have been like, hey, you know what, Katie, you're right. That's on us. We we misquoted you, or we didn't really listen all the way through. Hey, let let's just take responsibility. You know what that does? That builds your credibility. You yep. take responsibility. Apologize. Yep, we're deleting the tweet. Well, we're retracting a statement. That's on us. Well, that's the thing. Like, Katie left her tweet up. You can see where she responded to the tweet. It just says their tweet's no longer available. Of course. I mean, that's that's, that's the easy way to do it because because yep. people are lazy and they're not going to then do their research to see what was said, whatever. See, you paid attention. Hopefully, yeah, what well, did. Well, that's the thing that threw me off, Milton. When I when I I had to do a double take when I saw their tweet. I was like, wait a second. She didn't talk about that for Mando. It was for one of her other shows. It was like it wasn't even That's related to Mando when she was talking about her hairstyle. And I was like, "What in the world?" It was just to, you know to lazy, but also just to stir up social media. You know how That's the thing. And that, that's why that's a lot I'll of things never, nowadays. I'll, I'll never get caught up in that stuff. Like whether it's with like the way I post for my personal stuff, or if I was a news, a blogger, or whatever, I would actually be thorough in a sense of mm-hmm. pay attention, listen all the way. Ask questions before you post something. Yep. The old school media is get a scoop, you get a st- story, you reach out to that person, say, "Hey, want to give you a heads up? We have this. Do you want to comment on it?" Yeah. You know, like that. That's that's good journalism, and I'm not even a journalist, so it's like, yeah. They they, they could have easily said, "Hey, let's reach out to Katie. Katie, hey, is this accurate? Did you say and she's pretty responsible on social media? You know. Mm. Yeah. So. There's that. I just learned about the podcast and the drama all in the matter of the same hour. Look at that. <laughs> so uh, getting back to the releases this week, we have other other releases, two comics from Marvel. We have Star Wars issue number 36. So if you ever wanted to know, maybe some of you have thought about this, why Nine Nub had permission from Orlando to co-pilot the Millennium Falcon. Well, that's the origin story of their relationship as they take the Falcon to... Coruscant to cause some damage um, to make the Emperor a little bit mad. So I have my review of that as well as Yoda number nine, which deals with Anakin and Yoda teaming up to take out a mega droid during the Clone Wars. These droids that never really got past their foundry as it was set to fire. Um, so yeah, there's some cool action packed, very action packed stories that came out this week. The comics, the video reviews up here on the channel, youtube.com slash star after to check that out. Speaking of comics, uh, correct me if I might have gone over this because it was announced a couple weeks ago. I don't remember talking about it. Maybe I have. Did I talk about how there's an Obi-Wan Kenobi series adaptation for Marvel coming out? Did I mention that at all? I don't think um, I, I feel like you previewed that a few months ago or something, I, I think. But all right, well, I don't know. I don't remember. There's that. I'm not happy about it um, because the Mandalorian one is not good. 
So hopefully this mm -hmm. one actually adds backstory and adds more. Maybe we'll see Commander Cody in this or something. That'd be so cool, and that'd be worth the price of admission. So, yeah, hopefully uh, they do a better job than The Mandalorian. Although I don't think it's their fault. I think it's literally just John Favreau saying, we cannot have anything that wasn't on screen in Mandalorian no. comics. There you go. Um, whatever, it's a collectible item. Coming up, for those of you that are going to San Diego Comic-Con, I am jealous first and foremost. I'm hoping to make it for 2024. But there is going to be a presence from Star Wars so far. At least what they have announced is they have the Lucasfilm Pavilion. That's where you'll find authors uh, doing autographs, uh, signing books, all that good stuff. But they have an official panel on July 21st at 1 p.m., Pacific Standard Time, uh, we have the Lucasfilm Publishing Panel, and that's where they're going to reveal the covers for uh, the Higher Public Phase 3 comic. They're going to reveal a lot more book news, um, so I'm very intrigued to see what's coming next, because right now, besides the Higher Public, we don't really have a lot coming down the pipe um, as far as the books are concerned, so very curious about that. I'm sure we're going to get the whole article on StarWars.com later on that day, so... If you are there, have fun, and I'm jealous. <laughs> Maybe we'll get some cool costumes from Ahsoka. Like they tend to do that, where they'll put up like a little, uh, you know, little gallery of upcoming shows or movie costumes, and they might have a new character. It's like, oh my gosh, what's this character? And they put a blurb, and we're all talking about that on the next episode of the podcast. Going, ooh, what's this mean? <laughs> Those were the glory oh, yeah. days, man. I love that. With the lead up to Force Awakens, we were getting like any little nugget of content well, just like uh, uh, you know extrapolating on like a one sentence statement of like yeah. a character it's like oh my gosh who is this at the time who is kira because i think that's like oh this is kira's speeder it's like that ended up becoming ray and now there's a kira that's in solo so it's like yeah. it all connects yeah well that's the thing too with um you know, it, it kind of, it bums you out on some of the, sometimes some of the lead-ups to these different things. Because nowadays, whether it be Star Wars, Marvel, uh, DC, they they tend to just prefer to, like, keep their big marketing things in-house. Like, Star Wars will save it for Celebration or D23. Marvel will save it for D23. DC will do their own, like, just random announcements james gunn posting a video to social media like you know versus actually like taking these big things to events i mean we were just talking before the show started like dc pulled out of new york comic-con this fall so like you know you have these things because these studios like unfortunately so because like you know the studios basically are just like hey why 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 pay these comic cons when we can just announce it on our own terms you know so that's that's the thing. It's like I, I miss those days where, you know, you would be hyped about Comic-Con, like getting all the big things, you know, Hall H, like all that stuff. Like, Yeah, it's uh, that's a, that's the unfortunate thing about. Yeah. Um, well, nothing's very fortunate coming out of COVID. Of course, it was terrible. We had to live through that nonsense. But, uh, you know, technology improved, which is a good thing. But for those of us like to go to fan conventions, now feel like we get the short end of the stick because uh, yeah exactly even at game conventions it's like we don't even have e3 yeah. anymore because now they're like oh we could just do this at home like we've been doing for covid we could just you know get into our studio at the at the you know at the place and just shoot everything there so it's a kind of a crappier experience for the fans but that is how it is now so we just got to live with it all right uh one last story before we get to our main topic uh we do have an official synopsis for the eye of darkness which is 
the first book for phase three, which is the final phase of the High Republic publishing initiative. Um, this one is basically all about the the lead bad guy, Martian Rowe, um, who's leading the Nile. So the synopsis goes like this. The galaxy is divided following the shocking destruction of Starlight Beacon. The Nile established an impenetrable barrier called the Storm Wall around part of the Outer Rim, where Martian Rowe rules and his followers wreak havoc at his every whim. Jedi trapped behind enemy lines, including Avar Chris, must fight to help the worlds being pillaged by the by the Nile while staying one step ahead of the Marauders and their nameless terrors. Outside of the Nile's so-called occlusion zone, Elzar Man, Belzedifer, and other Jedi work alongside the Republic to reach the worlds that have been cut off from the rest of the galaxy. But every attempt to breach the Stormwall has failed, and even communication across the barrier is impossible for both Elzar and Bell. Their failures and losses weigh heavily upon them as they search desperately for a solution. But even as if the Republic and the Jedi forces manage to breach the Stormwall, how can the Jedi ever fight back against the nameless creatures that prey on the Jedi's connection to the Force? And what other horrors does Martian Rowe have in store? As desperation for both the Jedi and the Republic grows, any hopes of reuniting the galaxy could all be but extinguished. Sorry. There you go. That's the, that's the synopsis. Um, sounds freaking intense. I'm liking how they are completely... Like, it's crazy how this this plot unfolded where the Nile were such an insignificant part of the galaxy and they were almost like a myth where they were going and just pillaging little planets, you know, taking dignitaries and ransoming them off. And now they somehow, over the year or two that they've kind of unveiled themselves, have managed to dupe the entire Republic and the Jedi and setting up this, like, demilitarized zone, if you will, um, a wall separating the outer rim is just it's freaking cool and I like I love how this these villains have become something so much different than the separatists than the empire than the first order like they have become you know I, I can't wait as we get further along with new Star Wars stories to get references to like ooh the reign of the Nile and, and events that are happening in the High Republic they kind of get like um, retro uh, fitted into like the current Star Wars because these guys are freaking a force to be reckoned with. Oh yeah, I mean it sounds like it. It's good that they're like really expanding, um, you know, expanding the higher public like that. Like just, just really adding more and more, um, you know, more of like threats to the characters versus like just letting like the good guys like you know have easy, um, like easy foes to go up against. Basically, I think what'd be really neat, and I'm really, really reaching on this one. What if the the big villains in Ray's movie end up becoming like Neo Nile? Like we just got the Neo Nazis in, in the Indiana Jones and Dial Destiny. I would like to see some kind of like far flung Everini descendant of like Markion Rowe being like, ah, oh, my grandfather or my great great grandfather um, caused problems for the Republic. Now I'm going to do it or something and then have yeah. like this legacy of this <laughs> crazy Viking. Uh, marauding type people come back and they're very unpredictable they're they're not as pristine as the first order i've been saying that for a while like have some kind of newer threat that is not so repetitive that we've gotten in the past have organic beings that use organic ships the grisk or something or use ong vong something like that oh yeah I mean, that'd, be, got, that'd be ideal have, we have the legend stuff yep like we have we have like aren't, well, aren't there 
there are three particular uh was it the there's three books there's swarm king and the joiner king what are those books you know what i'm talking about yeah um that's like joiner swarm king, king joiner king and something something like that but like those yeah. are like organic creatures they'll go up against i think in those stories yeah i was gonna so say you have those you have the whole yuz and vong series like like there's plenty of like um potential like organic creatures they could they could go up against and the thing the cool thing is like this is like far flung like playing with house money type thing if we ran lucasfilm but like you know you could potentially like i don't know like say let thrawn live in this upcoming ahsoka upcoming mando movie and like have him somehow surpass the sequel trilogy where like i don't know he you know, you're gonna have to have the good guys and bad guys teaming up against like that. You know, the the bigger threat and maybe the Ray movie or something like that'd be really cool. Um, but I don't know. That's gonna be interesting to see what they end up doing in particular for the villain of that movie. Whether it's a, whether it's a group of like beings like that or a new Sith or just something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so so Chris about to say so that trilogy I mentioned it's called the Dark Nest trilogy. And oh yeah, uh, I've heard of this. Joiner King unseen queen and the swarm war like i'm pretty sure the villains of that particular trilogy is like some like organic creatures or something like that or technology or something like it works so again we got the material kathleen stop with that bs <laughs> yep. oh man oh man so getting into the proper discussion here um so i had this thought i was thinking you know like especially back to investors day 2020 you had this grand plan set out by Kathleen Kennedy, and, and for the most part, a lot of those projects came to fruition, and we still have one that's right around the corner in Ahsoka. That's when that got announced. But there was lots of things announced. There was this Shadow and Bone or Children of the Bone series that eventually got axed. Willow came out, and I loved it. Like I think that's like, if I were to give it a score, I, I would give it like an 8 out of 10. I really enjoyed that series um not enough people watched it obviously because then the thing got pulled off disney plus which is a cost saving measure put in by bob Iger after bob chapek left he bob Iger kind of went on a cutting spree including cutting out galactic star cruiser and like 50 different shows off of disney plus so that was another omen and, and the fact was we were supposed to get or they were setting it up for season two and three willow that got taken off completely and I know this this discussion is more doom and gloom, and I'm not usually like that. But maybe it isn't doom and gloom. It's not like they're taking Star Wars away from us. But well, it's just the reality of the situation. Yeah, because now it's looking like Indiana Jones is probably going to lose money at this point. Because last I looked on it's... Box Office Mojo, it made 170. Okay. So far, and at, what did it cost? Like at least 300 uh, million to make. Uh, all right. So so here's here's a very uh, rough ballpark the way these movies work. Most of the time. You see what the budget is, double that, and that's what they have to make to about break even. So, like, Indy, you know, being around $300 million, just a flat break even, they would have to make around $600 million. But Ooh. the thing is, here, yeah, here's the thing, here's the thing, though, people overlook when they when they were talking about these budgets. And I looked into it um, earlier, or two weeks ago, you know, I looked into this movie budget stuff. You know, the thing is, people overlook when they're talking about the budgets and all this stuff and the profits and everything you have to make all that back from the budget but also you have to remember out of your earnings the theaters get like you know like 40 percent or whatever it is mm. so the problem is that like basically indie to 
barely profit they have to make like 700 million minimum like so you know they're gonna lose a lot of money by the by the by the end of the run you know and and it's just it's a it's just a complete like disaster such a disaster situation like you know they made like what 60 65 million opening weekend of the box office for that big of a movie like these type of movies should be making you know domestically like as big and as big of indiana jones like is as a property like it should be making like 140 150 opening weekend yeah. not 60 like you know so it's just uh it's a big like tough uh situation and you know that's what's like you know brought us here to this whole lucasfilm topic because it's just like that that movie being like the disaster that it is basically is going to have major ramifications, I think, long-term for Lucasfilm. Yeah, and to be clear, i seen Dial Destiny. I enjoyed it. I would give it, like, a 7 out of 10. I know that might seem kind of low, but, like, a 7 out of 10 for me is, like, I enjoyed the movie. It was good. For me, that's, like... That's well, well, that's what movie. most people are saying, Chris. It's like, not if, 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 amazing oh, by any stretch. Like, if I were to rank Dial Destiny right now, it's probably, probably number 3, which is good. 3 out of the 5 movies. Like, it's actually better than than um the second one temple of doom because i just watched yep. that recently like that one i think this is actually better than one of the original indiana jones movies which is saying a lot but you know raiders of the lost ark is like is like a nine and and last crusade is like a nine out of ten for me so like the bar yep. is really high with those two so but the problem is that i feel like indiana jones lucasfilm put this movie at that um convention or not the convent the Cannes film festival Cannes, and yep. i think those initial reviews from like the hardcore critics came out giving it like a low score and that already set the audience people like you could tell like people were hyped and then when they got that those reports came out like you could tell like less people were, were talking about it well, online and i think that really said now people are thinking oh it'll be on disney plus eventually i'm not gonna spend money on something that's like a seven out of ten because there's so many yeah. other things you could go see spider-man which is like a nine or a ten out of ten for most people you could go see the flash which i think is like a nine out of ten for me mission impossible see mission Impossible. it's a really busy summer and you know it's not cheap going to the movies anymore it's like especially if you go with a full family the concessions the tickets now are more money it's like a hundred bucks if you're going with a couple people. So you got to pick and choose and, and you're going to go by what is getting the, the most word of mouth. And right now, unfortunately, um, Guardians is, is doing great still. Like there's other movies that people are going to probably rather see. Plus, I mean, Disney. Yeah, I, I think that obviously they wanted a lot of hopefully had a lot of kids interested in this, but I don't see kids excited about this thing. Right. Like I can't see my. Yeah. My my seven year old niece, not not that I think it's she would go. I, I don't see little kids going. Oh, I can't wait to see Indiana Jones. It's not in the cultural zeitgeist like it was in the eighties for the kids back then, you know. Because now it's all well, the Marvel stuff. It's all superheroes, and so I think Lucasfilm had a little bit of a miscalculation. Then again, it's kind of it's why are they talk? Then again, why why does it take this much money to make a movie? Why is it costing three hundred million dollars? Because I'll be honest, when I watch this movie. It doesn't look like it's a $300, $300 million movie. Now, unless that's how much it took to do the de-aging. Now, that looked awesome. Like That looked amazing. I was sold on that. I think it looks like the best iteration of any kind of that technology they've done for anything Marvel or Star Wars yet. But I think that's like a Hollywood issue in general, is why is it taking so much money 
anymore to make these things because it's so well, hard to come out even now. Well, well, here's the thing with it. So just to throw that out there, like, because I, I assumed we were going to get to like some of the budget talks and things in these movies. Yeah, the the budget problem is is a major major issue with these movies. Like, you know, this movie was 300. The Flash was close to 300. You have all these visual spectacle movies that were close to 300 million dollars, and you know they're not turning out at the box office. And like the thing is, then you look at a movie like uh like say the first Deadpool. Like that movie was lower budget. Boom, and it made great money. Look at um look at like the John Wick franchise. Like those movies, you know, they're like 100, 120 million dollar type movies. You know, they make like 500 million, 450, 500 million. They make good money. They profit, but like I think the big problem with Hollywood right now is the standard is 1 billion dollars. If they like lower the standard and be like, "Hey, if we make a profitable movie, that's a success." Like versus saying the billion dollar club, billion dollar club. So like that's a big issue like if they would have made this movie say on 150 million and it been, you know, a 600 million, 500 million dollar movie, that would have been a huge success. But the thing is these studios view the only way to be successful now is a billion dollar movie and it's just it, it's it's unfeasible. I feel like with this market for one with streaming, I mean, I've caught myself with non like big box office movies like these these are the superhero movies. I just go, eh, I'm going to, why, why spend the 20 bucks to go to the movies, total popcorn and all that crap when I can just wait three weeks or whatever, three, four weeks and just watch the movie at home in my living room when I have, I have access to all of our food here. It's like, what's the point? So, you know, you have that with the customers and then also like with the budgets, here's a fun fact to think about guys. So like original Star Wars, don't get me wrong. Obviously like CGI and stuff is way better on movies and things compared to the first, um, compared to a new hope, but a New Hope still hits. That movie cost $11 million back in like 76, 75, 76 to make. In today's money, that's around $60 million. So the thing is, like, you can't tell me, like, you couldn't, like, say, budget the double, budget, double the budget of A New Hope, like, say, to $120 million and make a solid movie. Like, I just don't, I just don't understand where these are um, coming from. Unless, I don't know, unless you're paying the actors 40 million dollars a piece or something but like other than that it's just like the budgets are crazy and it's ruining the box office and then it's basically going to cause these huge bad ramifications downstream because like i think um i'm not sure about you two but i feel like we could get downwind ramifications for the mangled movie potentially um just because he's attached to this obviously he's attached to indiana jones he's the director you know yeah, pardon me? And the writer. Yeah, and the writer. He's the director and the writer. And the movie is is being this mega flop disaster that it is. So, like, this is the thing um, someone raised my attention to. Like, you know, like, how would you react, Milton? Like, okay, if I'm if I'm James Mangle, me and Kathy come into your office, you know, to you being the Disney exec, and we're asking you, hey, you know, we'd like uh, $180 million to do this next Star Wars project, and you ask me, what was the last project you worked on? And me and Kathy go, well, Indiana Jones. Like, what would you say, Milton? Like, I I haven't seen it yet, so I'll be honest with you. But yeah. with, and for your hypothetical, yeah. Um, I mean, I have some questions just because yeah. I think you you raise a good point. I would probably say, does it need to be two hundred plus million when it comes to this budget? Because, and I would argue this: look at a lot of the TV shows when it comes to streaming that that are being made. Their budgets are expensive, but they're not 300 million expensive. And that's and streaming TV is some of the best entertainment right now. 
mm-hmm. better than blockbusters, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think a lot of studio executives would say, "Hey, that's you're not wrong." You bring up a good point about John Wick. That I think they what about a hundred million? I think it's it's normally on average million. those movies are a hundred to one hundred twenty million. Yeah. But like the first couple were like sixty. I think their budgets were like maybe forty to 50, 60 million. Yep. Killing them, you know. And and you know there's CGI in those movies when it comes to like stunts and stuff. I look at a show like The Flash. That show's been around for what nine years. Look at look at the best seasons of seasons one, two, and potentially three. Yep. Over the twenty-two episodes, and they're cranked out what? There's about eight months of TV. I guarantee their budget is probably no more than let's say fifty million. I, I, I'm just guessing. I'm not. I don't want to. I'm not saying that's accurate, but let's say fifty million to make a one-season, twenty-two episode show, and that has heavy CGI in it. So, and that show's popular, especially seasons one and two. That season sounds about one. right. I, I'm pretty sure I heard Arrow's budget was around two million, so I'm sure Flash is around. I think it's. I think it's one point five to two per episode on CW. Okay. So it's about 50, say $50 million for the season. If you're telling me I can make a network show for $50 million and it's well done story-wise, it has heart, has great CGI, and, and it's receptive, why can't we at least make a film that's $100 million with the same type of quality? Like, th- this, does the Flash movie need to be $300 million? There's no need for that. I mean, I'm trying to think of a movie that was made for $150 that was a big hit. That was like almost a billion dollars most recently or a couple years ago. It was a superhero film, and I was just like, "Wow, that that's one fifty." So you, you you look at films back in like two thousand and eight, two thousand six. Superman Returns was like two hundred fifty million dollars, and it was bad. You know, like how? Yeah. It's but, then, but, but then Man of Steel was made what with two hundred million? It was great. That's fifty million less, and the CGI was better. So it's like it's like as an executive, I'm saying, okay, what's your story? Is there heart? Can we cut out some of the unnecessary CGI that doesn't need to be made? How can we perfect it at a cheaper cost but still be efficient? Like, I would ask those questions. And I think you're right. I think the problem is going to be the fans are just tired of stories being trash. I think Milton, here, here, here's your example right here. Dead, Deadpool, $58 million budget. Box office, what? $782. What? Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm reading it right here. $58 million, million dollar budget for Deadpool 1. And then the wow. box office was seven hundred eighty-two point six million worldwide. And there's a lot of CGI in that movie because a lot of violence. Yeah. Like, so yeah. it's like you can it can be done. Yeah. That's why it's like I I I would love to sit. The question I would want to know is I would love to sit in these meetings with these executives and directors and say they say hey this is my proposal for my film this is how much I would need to make it I would honestly be like why do you need three hundred million to make a Batman movie. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, or to make a, or or to make a Star Wars, I can see that potential. Well, Indiana Jones is Indiana Jones is like, I I mean, it's not superheroes. It's it's real life from stuff. Food. So I don't understand. Like here's you the know, thing: where it you came have from. a studio that that pretty much perfects CGI, so yeah. you would think it'd be a little bit cheaper. <laughs> to put things I mean, in perspective, uh, for the box office this year, our two highest grossing movies are both animated movies. So you have. The Billion Dollar Club being joined by Super Mario Brothers. And to put also in perspective, Across the Spider-Verse, which just came out three or four weeks ago, uh, cost about $100 million to make, and they made that and more in the first weekend at $120 million opening I'm weekend. Like, and, that's, and that's animation. Yes. 
Like, what was it, 100 million of their budget? I mean, look, I'll go back to the 90s because, look, I grew up with the 90s action movies. And, you know, I, I, I love the Wesley Snipes Blade films. Oh, yeah, I love those. That first one, I guarantee you, was probably made with about 50 to 60. Dude, pal, dude are you reading? Are you are you reading the YouTube chat? Because Christian oh, wow. Annabelle, Christian Annabelle, literally just said that, Wesley Snipes Blade was 50 million and badass. That's <laughs> my boy. Right there. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> you know, he and I, that's one of, one of my best friends. I sent him a link tonight. That movie is, is what got me into obviously watching like those Marvel films. And so, well, look, let's be real here. Blade saved Marvel's, you know, ass when oh, it comes yeah. to like keeping property. But Blade was made in 97, 98 when the CGI was starting to get real nice, nice. But that was made with 50 million. I know inflation is different from now in 1998, but the movie was fire. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of these films making, oh, I'm going to spend 300 million on a trash movie. Is there no story to it? It ain't badass. Superman Returns is one of the worst superhero movies ever. They spent oh, yeah. nearly 300 million and Superman never throws a punch. Oh my gosh. Go back and watch that movie. I've never Superman seen it. Superman Returns never <laughs> throws a punch. Oh yeah. Never. It was and it's like why you gonna make a film for 300 million and he never even fights nobody? That like that's a stupid story. Let, let's look, hope that James look, look, at the that. look at the first two X-Men with Brian Singer. Yep. I guarantee you those films were not made over they did not have a budget of over 100 million. I guarantee you that. Yeah. They were both fire. X-Men 2 is one of the best action movies, superhero movies I've ever seen in my life. So, I think Look at Logan. How, how much how much did Logan make with their budget? Logan uh they I mean, I know they made a lot of the box office. Their budget, I'm sure their yeah. budget couldn't have been that high. Their budget couldn't have been there couldn't have been 250 million because the how they shot it was very much western. Style, yep. you know, like, come on, man. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It, it, the Joker movie. Made oh, that's a dollars. great one. That's what I'm saying. There's barely anything in that. It was just, you know, uh, walking I'm standing around, around. The city, singing, going <laughs> up the stairs. <laughs> like, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, you look at look at the John Wicks. You look you look at the movie Heat with Robert De Niro back in the day. I bet you that movie was like 30 million to make and it probably made a shit ton. I know it did because it was fire. Like, but the, these movies have to have heart. They got to have a good story. Like it's got to be something where it's got to be rewatchable. That's the well, problem with a lot of blockbusters now. Half these movies aren't rewatchable. Well, well, Milton, that's like, you know, a couple weeks ago, I talked about how I listened to James Gunn give an interview um, on Michael Rosenbaum's podcast inside of you on there. You know, he said he doesn't really go to a lot of these movies anymore like the comic book movies, the action movies, because all they are, it's just visual noise. Like you just go and see the same thing over and over. So like, exactly. what's the point? What's the point of going and, you know, like he, he joked around, like, you know, he said, I have the money, obviously to go to see a movie, but what's the point of even me spending 15 bucks to go and watch it? There's not like, cause it's all the same stuff visually. Like Here's the thing. What's the budget for the boys on Amazon? Cause that particular show is a superhero genre and it's made like a film. Like that whole series is made like a film. However, I guarantee you that budget. This is Amazon. I say let's say a hundred million per season. I, I would have guessed that. Well, we'll look I at Mando season two even. Yeah, but those stories have heart. Those stories are compelling. Like they draw audiences in. They they're very rewatchable. I keep saying like that rewatchability factor is the reason why you get these billion dollar type films. Look at Avatar. 
I, I know that's a very visual type film. That's a film that's needed to have a budget like that. But James Cameron didn't sacrifice the story for visuals. He I think for both. I think Avatar's budget was almost eight hundred. Um, but it made but it made over two billion. That's what I'm saying though. But like that makes sense. I get that. Yep. I'm saying is a lot of these directors seem to forget you have to tell a story that's worth an audience to watch to say, man, I can relate to part of that story. I, I may not be Superman or Clark Kent, but I relate to this particular character's struggle or this particular character's like way of life. That's how you get us to come back with Star Wars. This is a Star Wars podcast. We all can relate to a Star Wars character that we get. Keeps drawing us back. Some of us are more Luke Skywalker. Some of us is more Anakin or Han Solo or Princess Leia or Chewbacca, whomever. We keep coming back for the story. The visuals are great. It was before its time. Why do you think Star Wars has been successful for 40 plus years? The story itself ain't not got nothing to do with the ships. Ain't got nothing to do with 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 the planets it's the force it's the story behind the force mm-hmm. you know yeah. so it's like i don't know it's, it's just a whole bunch of stuff man like i well, think i think a lot of these filmmakers are forgetting that you gotta tell a compelling story that has heart and that will draw audiences in multiple times well and that's what i would as, as an executive i would say what the hell is this story because if i'm not relating to it you're not getting 400 million yeah. Well, well, you see, that's my thing when it comes to this whole thing with Indiana Jones and um, like Lucasfilm, the budget, all these things in general. Um, like there was a book that came out uh, a few weeks back, you know, um, I think it was called Burn It to the Ground or something like that. It was anyways, it was like an insider. It was it was like a, it was like an employee from a, um, that worked on Lost with Lindelof. Um, and like basically it was a, like a big expose on him. But, you know, inside like basically side. um like sides, there was a side shot taken at Lucasfilm in that book that basically said, like Lucasfilm, like so far, like when it comes to like this era of Star Wars, like they basically have thrown caution to the wind on the budget of the projects because it's basically like, hey, Disney has our backs, we're good, like we can, you know, pretty much do whatever. So like, I think that's that's why you know that could be an answer, or that could be one answer as to why they're doing it is just because like they feel. It's it's just like a money train, you know, or like a credit card. You can just go and swipe like the Disney credit card and just keep. Yeah, that, like, but that's that 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 doesn't. The problem with that, and I, I agree with you. The problem with that is that yeah. that enables the laziness of filmmaking. Yeah. Oh. I mean, oh. What? One hundred percent. Look at the first Matrix movie. That movie's pretty much shot in the dark. Now the technology at the time was really on edge when how it was cutting edge. That first Matrix movie, I guarantee, was probably no more than fifty million tops. I guarantee you that. That movie made a killing, but you know what was cool, different about that movie was the story itself. Yeah, you know I'm saying like like the the Wachowski brothers at the time, now they're sisters. Just gotta keep it, you know, politically correct here. Yeah, like they uh they had to tell a story that mattered. You know, mm-hmm. like like Warner Brothers probably had to mm-hmm. handcuff them and say, "Listen, we will give you this chunk of change, but you gotta take what this money and make it work." That's what I love about the original trilogy movies. And even with the prequels is that George Lucas had his handcuffs, but he made it work. And then he went back yeah. with the originals to perfect them in the late 90s with the uh, special editions, as he yeah. should. He, he knew those movies weren't done. He did the best he could to tell a compelling story. And I wish executives would say, you know what, as much as we want to hit the billion dollar club and say that's successful, which is BS in my opinion, let's tell stories where we can keep the audience wanting to come back. 
Yeah. I see. Oh, yeah. That, that should be the success right oh, there. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, that's a big thing in general when it comes to this. And then I do think as well, um, you know, not, you know, not to like, you know, go doom and gloom, Chris, but I mean, this is like, you know, a, a big topic for Lucasfilm. But my thing is, I think, like I said, I think there could be potential ramifications depending on what the final box office <laughs> yeah, is for yeah, yeah. for Indy. That's that's the number one thing. If if they get close and they lose like fifty million, okay, that'll be fine probably. But I think it just depends on the final box office. Like the Flash, for example, I just saw they're up to two hundred and eighty million, and they're only expected to squeak out two ninety. So like they're gonna lose a lot. Um, but um, but anyway, so like with Indy. My thing with Lucasfilm is you have potential ramifications for James Mangold's movie. Like, if it does go like, like DefCon Seven, like you know, we could get a Patty Jenkins, Ryan Johnson movie situation where it's just like they let it slowly fade, and it's just like, oh, James is working on this and that because like James does have other projects. Like yeah. he's working, I believe, on Swamp Thing for DC. Yeah. So like, you know, you have you have kind of built-in excuses for him to like ride off into the sunset versus like you know if they decide to do that um so there's that potential james mangled um issue and then there's also you know of course like you mentioned the creative issues like you know the the projects that are not lucasfilm like the willows the indie stuff um you know who knows we could add a potential young indiana jones type series or something like you know if this would have went over well but i think now with this stuff with lucasfilm I think they're going to hone in on it more, but I do think, I know this is always like a touchy subject with Star Wars fans, but I do think this could potentially lead to some of the potential exit of Kathleen Kennedy eventually. Like this is always like such a hot button thing to talk about with Star Wars fans, but like, I think depending on the box office and, you know, she's one of the greatest producers of all time. Like, of course, like everybody knows that, but like Christian Harloff said, um, I'm not sure if you guys saw his tweet the other day, but Christian Harloff basically said she's at a point where she's like a multi Super Bowl winning coach of a team and just has a lot of like built up like losses and controversies and things where it's just, you know, it's time for the team, which would be Star Wars, to like eventually move on and to a, like a different um, person at the top. So, like, I think we're getting to that point, but in my opinion, the way they would do it. You know, because the internet, if you ask Twitter and YouTube and all the comment sections, you know, the internet just wants wants to wake up Monday morning and say, Kathleen Kennedy fired, boom. And that newsflash, folks, that's not going to happen. Like, they want to no. do it that way. No. Like, to me, um, you know, even John Campia talked about it months ago. Like, if if they end up moving on from, from um, Kathy, they'll, they'll do it in, like, a respectful, graceful way. It'll probably be, like eight months from now or something or a year from now. And it'll just be like, Hey, she's moving on to another project blah, or she, you know, it'll, it'll be framed in a way where she's going out on her own terms. So I think that's something for star Wars fans to keep in mind, because I feel like this is a relevant topic to bring up just because like when, when we're talking about these big box office losses for Lucasfilm, you know, this topic gets brought up with star Wars fans and I, and, um, you know, I feel like that's something for fans to keep in mind. That's probably how it's going to get framed if that even happens. But, you know, that's just something to um, throw out there because I know, you know, that's probably on a lot of people's minds right now seeing Indy's box office performance. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I'll be pretty bummed if they if they don't do anything besides Star Wars because Lucasfilm was always doing things that were upping the ante even without the Jurassic Park I mean 
Yeah, well, that, I mean that that Jurassic Park is is uh, Amblin Studios, isn't it? Universal. Oh, oh wait, Universal. yeah, that is. Never mind. I was thinking it looks so. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah, oh, but I mean, they're, they're, no, no. Well, Jurassic well, Park. I mean, it's it's Skywalker. I was thinking. Ranch. I was thinking. I was thinking indirectly ILM, but yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's, it's, it's indirectly ILM Skywalker. Yeah. Ranch, like all the technology. Yeah. Yeah. But but like their actual franchises, like it's like when they made even like Howard the Duck, there was innovation going yep. on. Willow, there was a lot of innovation going on. So and it's cool to have that identity because you often forget like before indie came out. Yeah, all people thought of Lucasfilm is just synonymous with Star Wars, but there's other properties that they've been dealing with. I'll tell you what, when I was in that theater at Disney Springs AMC 24 on that Thursday opening night, everybody was getting pumped in that theater. And then when Lucasfilm logo came up, I actually like went like, woo, and everybody else did the same thing because it's like Lucasfilm. You see that, that symbol, and it's like just greatness. And it was cool to see... Lucasfilm on a big screen that wasn't Star Wars. And in yep. my back of my head, I was like, I want to see more of this. But right. unfortunately, oh. with having an overseer with Disney, they're, you know, pinching their pennies and all. And if they see that the performance is not good on some stuff, they're not going to put money in to make more of it. That's where this topic right. comes in. And I think, I think the problem is now, I think the problem is now, um, that Lucasfilm, and this is just my opinion, is that Lucasfilm is struggling with being originally, they're struggling with creative, with original creative content. Mm. And all, all they, I mean, I'm just talking about Lucasfilm, not Disney itself. But they do only have, I mean, their two major properties are Indiana Jones and Star Wars. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's, what's their third property? Uh, the Willow series. Willow. Okay, Willow. But I mean, really, I mean, Willow's a cult hit. Yeah. But it ain't Indiana Jones. It ain't Star Wars. Yeah, you know yeah. What I'm saying? I don't see. I don't see anybody dressing up as Willow. <laughs> Let's just keep it real. I'm oh, that's so like, true. Yeah. So everybody's either dressing up as a Star Wars character or Indiana Jones, or or the Kali Ma guy from Temple of Doom. Feel me? Pretty much. Like, <laughs> problem is like they don't really have nothing else. So like you look at Netflix. Netflix is killing it when it comes to original content because they come out with something new every month, every year. I mean, hell, oh, they sign. I'm, I'm, I'm hyped for Netflix's upcoming projects. Like One Piece is in August, and I'm super excited yeah. for that. I'm, well, I'm hyped for the Rebel Moon thing with Zack Snyder. Oh yeah, December twenty second. Like, like the 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 original movies they've been making with the extraction. I just watched the extraction movies with Chris Hemsworth the other day. Fire! Didn't realize oh, yeah. they they were that nice. Like. Netflix is hitting all the time now. When it comes to their budget and monies, I know they're oh, yeah. they're, they're they're a streaming network, but Netflix ain't garbage when it comes to their original properties. Amazon, Amazon is killing it when it comes to their original. I just finished Invincible, that animated show, you know, or I just finished The Boys on it. Like that is dope. The problem they have multiple platforms they can go to. Star Wars, I feel like they're stuck in Indiana Jones and Star Wars. I love those properties. They could say should continue to make them. However, let's start opening up your playbook and coming up with some new plays. <laughs> like yeah. you gotta start designing something else. Like Rebel Moon would have been a dope property to work with Zack Snyder and say, hey, let's make this under the Lucasfilm umbrella. Let's make another type space genre opera, you know, opera type thing with Zack Snyder's talent and Lucasfilm resources. That'd have been dope. Well, guys, here's a funny thing for our, our listeners to keep in mind for Rebel Moon. This this uh, it's December twenty second, but um, 
so I got this idea from from the other Star Wars YouTuber, Star Wars Theory. He he was like, think about it this way. The Rebel Moon is basically Zack Snyder's Star Wars. And think about it. It's so far out there. It's pretty much the closest thing we're going to get to live action Star Wars Visions, which is true. It's like, yeah, that's pretty much going to be Star Wars Visions this winter. Even, so like, I was about to say, even, even look at Dune. When Dune came yep. out two years ago. Reminds you of Star Wars. Like, yep. like Dune was, I was like, yo, it's dope. Like this, yeah. could, imagine if Star Wars, like I remember when John Boyega made a comment about Dune when he saw Oscar Isaac in his little suit, like in his, in the picture, he's like, why did we get this? Why did we get this in Star Wars? Yep. John Boyega was mad. Cause he's like, Dune is looking better than Star Wars. Like, oh yeah. Mm. Well, well, when it comes to these things, I think, I think the thing is the thing that solves all of it though is like the storytelling. Like that's the number one thing. If if they just get the storytelling right and just like hit the audiences in such an in a nice way. Like like if Mando season three, um, and I hate picking on Mando because that's my favorite show, but like Mando season three, if they would have just like continued the momentum for Mando season two, like like how it was, like how the vibes of it, the feel of it, everything, I feel like we would be in such a better place, like a healthier place as a Star Wars community, like the way we talk about Star Wars, the way we the way we worry about Star Wars projects, because now, like now when I see upcoming Star Wars projects, I'm like, man, I either A, hope they even make it through the process, or B, hopefully they're good because our trust has gotten shaken so many times right. with this franchise with Mando season three, which is, you know, okay. Book of Boba, okay. Kenobi, you know. Eh, it was shaky to some degree. You know, had some good, had some bad. Like we know, we've been we've been shaken on so many of these points when it comes to some of these storytelling opportunities for them. It's just like if they would hit the like that's the number one thing here. If they just hit the stories, I think we'll be good. Like Ahsoka coming out. Like I feel like we're in good hands at least with Dave Filoni. Like I think he has an idea or he has a good feel on like Star Wars storytelling. So I think this is gonna kind of like get things back on track. But yeah, like overall, it's just like, I feel like the planning, the storytelling, they just got to like get that more under wraps. And then of course, mm-hmm. get us back in theaters. Like that is the number one thing. Like you got to get Star Wars back in theaters. It's It's been since what, 2020? Since Rise of Skywalker? 19, yeah. Which I, I don't disagree, but I, I truly believe this. If, if anyone's watching this, I truly believe that if, if Lucasfilm was smart, man, they, they would try to find at least two or three more original properties okay. to, to either create, yep. piggyback yep. off of, because I'm telling you, like, imagine if Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon was attached to Lucasfilm, man. Oh, my God. Like, I just, I'm so hyped for that. Like, I, Oh, it looks, it looks incredible. incredible. It looks incredible. And, and, and again, it may look incredible, and it could be garbage for all we know. We don't know yet. Yeah. Zack Snyder's got a good reputation when it comes to visually telling stories. Imagine taking that component of it Lucasfilm's resources and storytellers and whatnot, and, and bring those properties together and say, "Hey, it's now under the Lucasfilm umbrella." Oh my God, you now just enhanced George Lucas's legacy. You know, yeah. oh, we now have Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and Rebel Moon plus Willow. Oh, now let's now let's attach it to when's when's Lucasfilm going to do a superhero genre? You know, I mean, I know Jedi's can technically be superheroes or or a uh, uh, Sith can be, but it's like. Just go out and try something different. Do a comedy. Like well, something I think, should have done. I, I think I, it's just. I don't know. I just. I just feel like they're just stuck in their own way. You know. I. I just. I just look at Netflix and how they're so always coming out with original stuff. And it's like, 
oh, that's pretty cool. And it's Netflix. You know, like it ain't Disney. Yeah. Imagine if here's an idea. Imagine if they got Ryan Johnson to do his onion and all that stuff series yeah. through Lucasfilm. Like that would have been a home run and look at all the money they was made, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. And listen, yeah. and you know how I feel about The Last Jedi, but the 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 two movies he made in his Knives Out series are really good. First Knives Out is great. I love that they're, movie. They're amazing. Like I'm like, oh my God, like imagine if they had like a mystery genre in uh Lucasfilm or they had like a comedy genre. Know that there's something that's original. I mean, like, like some type of like spy thriller. Well, look at uh, look at uh, have you seen if anyone's seen Ozark? Ozark, like that could be a Star Wars, you know, yeah. criminal underworld drama. Like, like I love Ozark, that's an amazing show. Like, like I would love for Star Wars, well, Lucas, I'd love for Lucasfilm to explore those type of properties. But even if we're in the Star Wars umbrella, like I would love for those type of things to be like explored, like get a little edgier if you can, like you know, push that push that rating boundary a little harder and do it like lean into certain aspects of it. Like, you know, you don't have to go full blown like sex scenes and stuff, but you can, you can like push the boundaries in terms of like, say like we've already seen it once we've seen John wick and star Wars once, um, Boba Fett, Mando season two, episode six. Like we've seen Boba Fett go John wick before. Like that shows you right there. You can have John wick esque violence in star Wars so like why not do something like that i mean you know you had uh you had like like mangled mangled said his boba fett movie he just said in an interview last week his boba fett movie was gonna be like a spaghetti rated r ish hard r like spaghetti western um with boba fett like being violent and stuff so like you know those type of things like i'd love to see those type of properties explored under uh, under uh, lucasfilm like it just right. I think it would be so yeah, cool. I just think I think I think Lucasfilm Studios with, with Disney, obviously, because they're, they're they're Disney owns it everything. But it's like you need to say, hey, it's it's okay to have t five different genres or four different genres under our umbrella now. Like it can't just be space operas and and you know westerns with Indiana Jones or or timepieces. It needs to be something else. Like you got to add now to Lucasfilm's property. I think it will then enhance and give us more of appreciation of Star Wars and an appreciation of Indiana Jones. An appreciation of Willow. I mean, I know they tried it already. They did try it with yeah. the movie called Red Tails. Oh, it came yeah, out like go. 2012. Yeah, yeah, I think. Red Tails. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I think they tried it, and it wasn't successful. And I mean, it's based off of a true story of the Red Tail pilots of like two, World War Two. It's like, man, like if they try it again and really like, it, it could work. It could well, work. Well, the issue is, um, like one of my friends, Jason, always says, the problem with the issue you know the things going on at disney right now it's because disney is synonymous with only two things marvel and star wars like they don't want to brand like you know under the disney umbrella they're not branching out really other than those two things because like they're getting known for just marvel and star wars and you know even if you listen to the way bob Iger talks they only talk about marvel and star wars yep. so it's just like if they would expand more because like right now you know we mentioned it with indiana jones bombing like this it's going to just totally kill all chances of any of this type of stuff to happen under Lucasfilm yeah, because yeah. now they're going to say, why would we green light this project when it's already shown to be a failure? You know, you already failed at Indy. Why would we green light another project? And then on top of it, you're, you're still having issues with the Star Wars franchise as a whole, like with, with viewership or with, you know, income or budgets, et cetera. Like, so like there's so many different things, um, 
that they have like in play when it comes yeah. to Disney with Lucasfilm. It's just like I feel like they're gonna just completely restrict them and say no, you can only work on Star Wars stuff. And uh, like I think that's what's gonna end up happening here. As unfortunately, I think that'll be at least the baseline ramification. Like you know, we'll see about Mango, we'll see about Kennedy down the line. But I think the baseline ramification for sure is they're gonna just totally restrict the projects to purely Luke, purely Star Wars. But I think it's also going to restrict the projects within Star Wars. Like, I don't think, like, because of this happening with Indy, like, why would they go and write a check for, like, a like the Lando series, for example, with Donald Glover? Or why would they write a check for these, like, side series when they're unproven? Like, so I think it's going to affect some of our potential spinoffs of certain characters or certain um, timelines because of that. Like, I think, I think right now with the Star Wars properties... It's going to be just the Mandoverse stuff. Andor, look, Andor's going to be done. You know, it has one season left. And then you got the Acolyte. Like, we don't know if that's going to be two seasons. It could just be one. You got Skeleton Crew. That's that's tied in with Mandoverse. You got Ahsoka, Mandoverse. So, like, after we get the Mandoverse shows and Andor and, and um, Acolyte wrapped up, I think they're going to be very selective on what they allow to greenlight for shows for Star Wars moving forward. Yeah, that's that's what I was getting at with this whole discussion is um yeah this could impact star wars itself um real quick we have star wars timelines ben he was a guest on the on the show a couple weeks back what's up man uh he's saying frankly guys dune gave me all the story and fun that i've been waiting for from star wars since episode six yeah we also have hannah from the race side what's up hannah um here's the thing we have an example within the Star Wars itself of what happens when the box office goes the other way and what happens to projects. Remember, there's this grand plan. I mean, it wasn't official, but it was very much in the Hollywood trades that we were going to have like three Han Solo movies. We were going to have this mini universe inside Star Wars with James Mangold's Boba Fett movie that was going to be thrown in the mix there. And guess what? When, when, when Han Solo, when Solo Star Wars story bombed, immediately that stuff, all even the idea of just the Star Wars anthology movies was completely just cut away. They yep. had this reactionary. They want to play it safe now. To be like, okay, this is we can't lose another like 200, 300 million again or whatever it was they lost. I don't know exactly how much. So what happens when Willow doesn't do good? When, so that's kind of what I expect, which is why I made the discussion title of this because it seems like that could be a very possible thing. Okay, this other stuff isn't working we're cutting it out and Milton uh, you kind of touched on something that I was listening to another podcast today, star Wars Underworld. Dominic Jones, I guess on the podcast as well. At some point he was um, talking about, if you look at a lot of these stories that are outside of star Wars, what do Indiana Jones, Willow and the force awakens all have in common? It's all an old, you know, grizzled guy coming out of retirement and, you know, training a new person or somebody to like take up the reins of this thing. Like right. literally Willow is the same way. Indiana Jones is the same way. And Force Awakens well, the same way. It's like, and they all have relationship issues with the spouse at some point And they're all on their own at that. It's the same. It's the same archetype. It's literally like that's Milan. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the audiences are getting tired of the same tropes that Lucasfilm has been instilling. They're great. But I think with 40 years worth of these stories at this point, we got to start seeing something new because it's showing where people are just like, ah, seen that, done that, or the critics are giving it 
you know, okay reviews because guess what? It's not doing anything out of the ordinary, so why it doesn't deserve a higher rating. And whether we like it or not, people are going on Rotten Tomatoes because, like I said earlier, if something's not getting like a whatever the people want it, maybe a 70 or 80 or higher, people are thinking, oh, maybe I'll just watch it at home. It's expensive to go oh. out. So the creative, the creativity in is, is the big thing here. I think the people want something different, something new. And like you said, an action is action only to a certain degree. But when it comes down to a moving story that, that hits you emotionally, that maybe is the missing element here. Because I'll, I'll be honest, like I finished Indiana Jones and... I know Ben wanted to know my thoughts, our thoughts on that, Ben. I've only seen it out of these three guys. Uh, What I will say real quick is, yes, it feels like Indiana Jones. It's very much action-packed. It has those supernatural elements. And it's what you come to expect. Like, it didn't blow me away. And that's what I'm saying. Like, because the story was so derivative. Like, I feel like I've seen something like this before many, many times. So it didn't really, you know. Well, well, that... well, you know, like with Indy, with Star Wars, Willow, you know, all these things, you know, it's like the trope is the hero coming out of retirement, like reluctantly coming out of retirement and then, you know, passing the torch on. Like, I think when it comes to those storytelling, those storytelling points, like you could have potentially avoided those pitfalls altogether by either A, making the first movie coming back for any of these heroes, like you know, instead of doing The Force Awakens, like, this is total retconning now, what I'm about to say, but, like, instead of doing it the way they did, why not have The Force Awakens be about Luke and Rey the entire time or something? You know, like, so then it's a better transition of the character versus just, boom, we pass it on immediately. So, like, you know, I think their ramification is there. Um, and then also, like, the thing is, when it comes to, like, that whole trope in general... Um, I, I'll never forget, like, Mark Fernandez, the former Collider um, owner, talking about this. When he was talking about um, the sequel trilogy, he said his biggest problem with the sequel trilogy was, you know, not even, you know, of course, the, the stories within the movies. But he said he wishes they would have jumped ahead by a thousand years or something because he said his the part where he immediately gets off board with those movies as soon as Han Solo appears in The Force Awakens, he's like, I'm out because, you know, here we go with going trying to go the nostalgia train versus create something new. So, like, you know, and that always stuck with me when he said that because it's just like, yeah, like, I think either, you know, you can't you can't go back and forth because it feels like with, with Lucasfilm, you know, you go back and forth between do we want to go with the new stuff or do you want to go to the nostalgia old stuff? Like I always say, nostalgia is fine if you do it well. Um, so like, that's the problem. I feel like when it comes to this whole thing, like if you do it well with these older characters, then that's fine. But if you don't, then you have major problems because then you have the fan backlash. You have, um, you just have the overall story issues in and of itself. And, you know, like the issues just pile and pile and pile. So it's just, to me, it's such a big risk when you go toward these nostalgic characters. Look at like the Kenobi series, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, that series is whatever. It's okay. But like, I personally wouldn't have handled Kenobi that way. I think you should have got him up to speed a little quicker than in like the fifth or sixth episode. So like, you know, you have certain things like that where it's just like, you know, the fans... I feel like a lot of fans, you know, when you say you're doing like a Kenobi series, you know, fans are wanting Obi-Wan. Sure, you know, he'll he'll deal with the like the sad stuff, maybe the first episode. 
But I don't know about you guys, but like with Kenobi, I mean, well, I remember when we when we were talking about it. But like at the end of that first episode of Kenobi, when he, you know, gets on that transport and it shows yeah. the lightsaber on his belt, you're thinking, oh man, Obi Wan's going into action. And then yeah. it's like, whoa, that's not what we got at all. So it's just like, like stuff like that. It's just or look at look at look at Boba Fett. Look, you know, rule with respect, rule with respect. He didn't even fire his blaster to like the fifth or sixth episode. So like, you know, you have these things where it's just like. I just wish it, it's just it's just massive missteps. Um, I think with these characters, and to me, if you're gonna do these calculated things with these iconic characters, whether it be Indiana Jones, um, Boba, Kenobi, whoever, you have to either like really service the character well, or just don't do it at all and do something totally new. Look at like Andor. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of that show by any stretch. Everybody knows that, but like Andor does it well because it's like sure we know him but it's it's off in his own separate thing like chris you can probably like expand on that better than i can but but you know you know what i'm saying like andor's off on its own basically yeah no andor is uh that is the 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 thing that's actually i feel like a bright spot in the last couple years of lucasfilm if i'm being honest it's just like okay that feels like they've stretched their creative muscles there's nothing out there in Star Wars that feels like it, which is why a lot of people also are maybe against it a little bit. Or it's like, oh, this almost feels too foreign for Star Wars. This, this almost feels like it's too modern for Star Wars. But um, I'll throw in here real quick. I'll throw in here real quick, and then I'll let you continue. So, like, if if Andor was like, say, you got Mando season two being like at one end of the spectrum, and Andor at the other. Like, if if they gave us andor but say if it was just a little bit more toward the middle like say 40 percent of the way toward mando season two where we got the serious stuff but a little more action like mando season two i would probably have loved that series but continue <laughs> no i mean that's pretty much what i was i was trying to go with there um yeah but i will kind of wrap it up uh milton do you have any thoughts on just your overall like what what is your take i mean what do you if this were to happen what, what do you think i mean do you think it's a better idea for Lucasfilm to focus on Star Wars? Do you rather have Lucasfilm experiment with with other properties that isn't Star Wars? Like just overall wrap up there on that. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep it um, keep it quick. But like, I mean, when it, to, to answer both your questions, so when it comes to experimenting, I, I agree. I think they need to. I think I think back in the '80s and '90s. Lucas, when he was in charge of it, he was willing to do that when it comes to, to the technology side of things. He was willing to do that when it comes to some of the storytelling in the sense of, you know, looking at like, you know, how Howard the Duck, Red Tails, uh, the Indiana Jones child series or young Indiana Jones, the prequels itself, uh, the Clone Wars, um, Red Tails. I mean, he he would have done it. I mean, hell, he was his own story. Crystal treatment. Skull. Yeah, his own his own story treatments originally with the guard with the wills was was a gamble within that particular property. I think Lucasfilm would greatly benefit from bringing in people like Zack Snyder or a cat or um or a Patty Jenkins or that type who who say hey let I have an original property that could that could be a franchise. Let's try this. You know, let's let's use our resources together. But there is great benefits if they willing to listen and adapt it to their, their resources obviously they'll need the blessing from disney because they're very much a family-oriented company which mm. i think that gets in their way a lot of times yep. so that oh, that yeah. that needs to change because it's okay to 
cater to adults. I mean, hell, the adults are the ones paying for the the properties, not the kids. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I I would say they need to change up their uh their their identity, which could potentially open up different routes of opportunity of being created. Uh, I think if they're going to focus on Star Wars itself, they need to then look at reevaluate their storytelling in the sense of stop using the old tropes of retirement and all the other BS that they're doing. I mean, look at look at the Creed friend, look at the Rocky franchise as an example. This is a perfect because mm. they came out at the same time. Rocky one came out in 1977, I believe. Mm. I believe so. I think the same year, 78. That Rocky franchise is still going strong. You want to know why? Because there's two different particular franchises within it with Creed and Rocky. The thing that's different from those franchises compared to Star Wars is that the heart of the story has never changed. There's true heart within that entire franchise, especially with the yeah. Creed franchises. They took a secondary character from the Rocky movies mm -hmm. and turned it into a franchise itself. Wow. Apollo I love the Creed Creed's, movies. Apollo Creed's son is now has his own franchise, and they do a great job. You saw the first one, Ben. When yep. they take that nostalgia piece of Apollo Creed's legacy of his yep. son, who's a bastard child, yep. and oh. at the end of that film, they wrap it up well to when he, he says one sentence when Rocky's like, let me call it, let me call it. And he says, no, I can't call it. He's like, don't, don't, I don't want to quit. He's like, why? He's like, I want to prove it. Prove what, kid? He's like, that I'm not a mistake. Because he, oh. he was a bastard child. And if yep. you knew the Apollo Creed character from the original Rocky films, you would understand how that ties into this Creed franchise. And it's like, oh my God, you never lost the heart of this story. You never lost the heart of these characters. And this is why that Creed franchise and Rocky franchise is going on 40 plus years strong without any hiccups except for maybe Rocky Five. Oh, yeah. Other than that, though, everyone loves the Rocky franchise. You know what I'm saying? Like, so with Star Wars, you need to get back to the heart of the storytelling of the characters. Make me feel something when I'm watching these movies. Make me feel something that I'm like, oh my God, like I can relate to these characters. I'm going to always bring this back because I know it's something that I can relate to. So I think Star Wars need to get back to the foundations. You know, it goes back to fundamental storytelling. Go back to that, the bread and butter of telling stories. It never fails. Look at it in sports. Defense never, uh, or defense always travels when you're playing sports. Yep. That's, that's the foundation of any sport. If you're playing a team sport, or an individual sport. So if I'm Star Wars Lucasfilm, go back to your defensive playbook. Defense is never out of style. Yeah. I mean, that's that's all facts right there, Milton. Like, from, from your sports analogies to, like, the Rocky franchise and everything else in between, like, it's just, it's it's spot on. Like, like because, like, with the Rocky franchise, they, you know, they, they paid perfect homage to those older perfect. characters. Perfect. And, like, you know, the problem with Star Wars when it comes to like those type of things, like in my closing points, like it's like they, mm -hmm. they, they kind of, let's just say overshot their skis or like fell over their skis down the mountain, basically like, because basically the problem with, with our, our current like state of star Wars is like, you know, you have basically like, it's like, it's like the, it's like the snap point in the star Wars um, universe, but it's like, you know, when, when episode eight happened, you know, when, when uh, Luke died, I feel like the way that happened, you know, I think that was such like a crux moment for Star Wars fans where now they look at every Star Wars, every time they bring in an older Star Wars character, it's highly critical because it's like, oh, are you just going to use this character to kill him off for a new character or to do something for a new character? I mean, I mean, look at like, uh, 
like Boba Fett. We go and Boba Fett. Like, would anybody, even not even any of the fans, how do you go from Boba Fett in season two of Mando to the book of Boba Fett? Like, that's a completely different character. And like, like you know, you have those type of things. Like, where fans, you, you know, it's like it's always like in sports, you know, Milton. Like when coaches get too cute when when they call all these trick plays instead of just running the ball up the middle for one yard. Like, like pa- passing on the one yard line, Seahawks in the Super Bowl, like back Ugh. in the day, you know, that he sort of Lynch, that's, exactly. So like, this is the thing, like Boba Fett, for example, is our Marshawn Lynch. Like, it's very easy. Give us a Boba Fett series. Like, for example, that's just action packed and him doing cool stuff. And the fans wouldn't care. Like, you know, even if it's a B minus story, fans wouldn't care because we just want to see Boba kick an ass. Like, you know, those type of things. I feel like with Lucasfilm, they've like overthought on a lot of their storytelling where they're like, oh, well, instead of doing this, let's do this, 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 and that. And, you know, maybe they'll like it by the end. And it's like, or you just hit the ground running. And like, to me, when it comes to those type of things, I feel like that's the number one thing they need to take moving forward. Just like, you know, what's the saying? Like, keep it simple, stupid. Like, it's not that difficult to please. In my opinion, it is not that difficult to please Star Wars fans. If you give us like a solid story, some action, you know, most of the time they'll probably be happy with what with what it is. Like, I mean, look at Mando season one and season two, beloved, because you know the story is what it is. It's solid. It's not like it's Oscar worthy storytelling, but it's solid. We get action, and that's what people like. So, like, I don't know. I just feel like that's something they just need to kind of like move back towards. Like, like you said, Milton, like go to the defensive playbook and just 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 be more thoughtful on it and get back to the heart of things. And I feel like that's what Ahsoka. The good thing is. You know, we're only about um, six weeks out, I believe, from Ahsoka. So, like, we're just getting closer and uh, closer to getting back to that, I feel like. Because I think Dave Filoni will get us into that direction. It's just just a matter of time, month and a half away. <laughs> yeah, so to just kind of sum it up, right? It's just a matter of, yeah, Disney. I, I, I don't think we're going to see the affirm the kind of previewed or rumored not previewed officially but like people are like oh they're gonna come away we're gonna have a spin-off indiana jones movie or, or series or something like that i i don't think that's happening now willow's done for now so th- this is the this is the real future we're not gonna have those other entries so i'm not saying it's gonna be forever but you know, maybe maybe they'll take a five or ten year break and, and really focus. It could be a good thing for Star Wars, honestly. Maybe it's a good thing for Star Wars if they kind of focus up and and get these these three movies that were announced in celebration. They all come out on time or relatively around that. They all become good quality and this Lucasfilm starts hitting their stride again. But yeah, it's it's important for them to do things that aren't Star Wars. It's going to be what it breeds creativity. It's going to be what keeps them on her toes is going to be what allows them to not get you know rest on their laurels and get too comfortable but yeah great lively discussion tonight about the ins and outs of just budgets and production and just a lot of behind the scenes entries that are important to know about because this is the franchise that we care about star wars and all these things matter um so it's good to be understanding the current climate and, and getting into it but yeah thanks for for a great discussion tonight, Milton and, and, and for Ben and for everybody joining us in the chat. We had Chris tonight. We had Ben from Star Wars Timeline. We had the Rayside, Hannah, 
We had uh, Christian in there. Yeah, so it was a great, lively discussion. And chat, you can join us every Sunday at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. You can also download us on any podcast app after the fact. Where can the people find you, Ben? I think you might be jumping on board this new social media uh, platform, <laughs> huh? Yeah, so I you can find me on Instagram at Real Ben Maynard. You can find me on Twitter at Real Ben Maynard as well. Just a lot of time lately. If you look at my Twitter timeline, I've been a little grouchier with certain things in the Star Wars fandom because I I get tired of just dumb stuff like particularly Jason Sindula's hair. Um, but uh, but you know, just just debating with Star Wars fans sometimes on Twitter at Real Ben Maynard, and then you can find me on threads it's like the new social media app it's basically what it is it's uh the dollar tree version of twitter if i had to if i had to summarize it it's basically twitter without any features or search function that search functionality so you can't even type in a topic and then even um like the uh the timeline feature you can't even customize your timeline so like i'm seeing crap from celebrities i don't give a dang about like i just don't i just uh I don't know. So you can find me at Real Ben Maynard on Threads as well. Um, you might catch me there talking Star Wars or like talking to people on there. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting social media app. I feel like they do have a very long way to go. Like they have to get some new features rolled out for it to be viable. Because if they don't add in the quality of life features like the search functionality, like the home feed, like even direct messaging isn't even a thing on there yet. Um you know, those type of things have to be added or the app probably won't survive for a few months. So we'll see. So as of right now, anyways, you can find me on threads as well. Yeah, we have Hive. We have, um, what is it, Blue Sky or something? Well, 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 well here, here's the quick Mastodon. thing, though, about threads. Threads, threads, I think they have a ch better chance than most of those other apps, though, because they're backed by Facebook and Instagram and they have a built-in following. So, like, when you go... For example, when you sign up for Threads, you uh, it automatically imports your Instagram, and it'll show you. So like it'd show like, oh, Chris, Milton, Hannah, all these people are on Threads. Do you want to connect with them? So it'll show you all your people from your Instagram who are already on Threads, so you can connect with them. So it's like it already has a built-in user base. I think they're up to forty million people now. So you know it has the built-in user base, so they have a better chance of making this work. Um, but yeah, so there's that. And then just a quick PSA that, gosh, now it's a Threads podcast, but a quick PSA, just a heads up to any of our listeners and even to you and uh, you two, Milton and Chris. But like, if you sign up for Threads at all, if you end up not liking it, just delete the app off your phone, but don't delete your Threads account because it'll delete your Instagram account, actually. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, so so that is something to keep in mind. Um, so just, just uninstall the app if you end up not liking it. But, uh, but yeah, so that's kind of my little three-minute thread spiel <laughs> oh man so what can the people find you talking about over on twitter and everything else milton Everywhere. oh definitely not threads because yeah, i have no plans of getting it <laughs> like mm. that, that that sounds whack so i'm good i'll, I'll stick to instagram and uh facebook and twitter um <laughs> Uh, I mean, you guys can find me on Twitter at MiltonWeber7 or Instagram at Milton7Weber. Again, I just keep it simple and chill. I post a lot of funny stuff on Instagram and some workout videos. And Twitter, I just like to retweet stuff that's funny that makes me laugh. So, but keep it positive, keep it simple, or, you know, I'll smack you. Um, 
this week I'm just going to be doing me working at, at the day job and uh, enjoying my my week. So looking forward to this week. Hopefully it goes well. Very good. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash star raptor or just search star raptor in the chat if you haven't already. Um, yeah, I could always use a buddy or two in the, the, the halls of sanctuary in Diablo 4. Uh, send me a message. I'll, I'll add you to the Battle.net friends. Um, although I've been doing campaign, I'm way behind. So you're probably going to say, why the hell's Chris so far behind? I'm not going to play with him anyway. <laughs> so we'll see. I got to grind that out to get to the get through the campaign for season one, which is around the corner. But anyway, I'll be doing that and, and working on some Star Wars miniatures. There's so many coming out like every month. I'm just, I got a pile of plastic that I'm also dealing with. <laughs> so it's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have. But anyway, I want to thank everybody for joining us. Once again, we'll be back next week, Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern. We'd love to have you guys back for a nice, lively chat on whatever we'll be talking about next week. I don't know. They could announce a brand new series or a brand new game or anything in the next seven days. So it's going to be a crapshoot, I guess, of whatever we get next week. Otherwise, we'll come up with a nice, lively discussion like we did tonight. Otherwise, we'll be talking about Star Wars. Same time, same place. This was Outer Rim Transmission number 113. Thanks for joining us. May the Force be with you always. And transmission. <laughs>